from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, President Biden was in Geneva today for a meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. It was important to meet in person so there can be no mistake about or misrepresentations about what I wanted to communicate. I did what I came to do. That was President Biden after his meeting with the Russian president. As President Biden wraps up his first foreign trip, what is the image this new American administration is projecting to the world? We'll talk about it a little bit later with Montana Senator Steve Daines. China is responding to comments by President Biden and the other G7 leaders made over the weekend. The United States is sick and seriously sick. The G7 should take the polls of the United States and write a prescription for it. Those were the translated comments of Chinese foreign minister spokesman. Missouri Congressman, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler joins us later to discuss China and the threat that it poses to the United States in a multitude of ways. Also here at home, the Biden administration is using the Department of Education, weaponizing it and its radical policies to further divide, not unify the nation. The current administration came to power on a promise to unify a divided nation. It will be judged closely and carefully on how that power is used. On the Senate floor yesterday, talking about the actions of the Biden administration, Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn is working to counter the Biden administration's divisive agenda. She joins us in just a moment. And I am announcing that within the next 30 days, we will double the division's enforcement staff for protecting the right to vote. We are scrutinizing new laws that seek to curb voter access, and where we see violations, we will not hesitate to act. We are also scrutinizing current laws and practices in order to determine whether they discriminate against black voters and other voters of color. That was U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland saying the Biden administration is going to interject itself into state election reform efforts. But, but state leaders like Arizona Attorney General Mark Brnovich are defending the clear line of federalism and pledging to resist the overreach of the federal government. Attorney General Brnovich joins us later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Hey, don't miss your opportunity to uh, stand with FRC against the left's agenda as we advance truth and defend freedom. From now until June the 30th, so just got a couple of weeks left, you can double your gift by taking advantage of our $1 million challenge match. Now, help FRC continue championing biblical values in Washington, D.C., and literally around the world. Help us finish as you're strong. We've got folks, team members, standing by to take your call, 800 800- That's 800-225-4008. Make sure that Washington Watch continues to air on stations across the nation and that our team is on the ground in Washington, D.C., on Capitol Hill, representing your values. Again, 
Give us a call, 800-225-4008, or visit TonyPerkins.com and double your impact today. Again, that is uh, now until the end of June. So we've just got a couple of weeks left. Also, let me remind you, tonight, tonight, it's Wednesday, Pray Vote Stand, 8 p.m. Eastern, an incredible lineup tonight as we take a look at the history of the pro-life movement and how we are so close to seeing America become a predominantly pro-life nation again if we simply do not lose heart. That's 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Be sure and uh, tune in. Okay, a lot to cover today. Uh, The Saving America American History Act has been reintroduced in the Congress to prohibit the use of federal funds to teach the racially divisive 1619 project in K through 12 public schools. Now, in the Senate, the legislation was reintroduced by Senators Marsha Blackburn, Tom Cotton, John Bozeman, Cynthia Loomis, Tom Tillis, Tommy Tuberville, and the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell. Now, as I mentioned yesterday on the Senate floor, Leader McConnell had this to say about the legislation, which counters the Biden administration's push to prioritize history and civics education that embrace the divisive teachings of critical race theory and the 1619 project. Listen to this. The Department of Education's latest proposed priorities run roughshod over existing history and civics programs established with bipartisan support in order to push critical race theory on public school students and keep pace with woke sensibilities. American students deserve a rock-solid civics education grounded in actual facts not divisive propaganda that tells them they're little more than a product of their racial background. With me now to talk more about this legislation and other pressing issues on Capitol Hill is Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, welcome back to the program. It is good to be with you, and thank you so much for bringing attention to this issue because I will tell you that we are hearing from so many parents about this, and they're very concerned, especially moms, that their children are in an educational system that is focused on indoctrination and not on education. Uh, You're absolutely right. This issue, I I have to go back in modern time in the last decade to the initial passage of Obamacare to see the type of response. You know, that created the party. I think there's another movement. Uh, This could become, uh, you know, moms on fire who are going to storm some of these school boards and take them over as a result of this indoctrination that's taking place. One of the things that happened through the pandemic, Tony, is that people started listening in to their children's classes and looking at the work that they were being assigned or the lesson plans that were being sent to parents for parents to be handling with their children. And I have talked to so many parents who said, I looked at that and I thought, this isn't right. And they realized that critical race theory and judging people by the color of their skin, not by their character, and choosing to not work with people because of race, that this was something they didn't want their children to learn. They wanted their children to see everyone as equal. They want opportunity to be equal. They want 
access to education to be equal. And so they started saying, hey, wait a minute. I am going to get my arms around this issue. And yes, indeed, I have talked to a so many conservative women who are going to run for school board, who are going to run for their county commission because their children and their children's education and making certain their children live in a safe, secure community and enjoy freedom, that is vitally important. It is fundamental. Fair has been happening, and this is why we go back to former President Donald Trump saying, hey, we're going to put an end to this. He created the 1776 Commission uh, to, to take a real look at American history. But that said, this administration under Joe Biden has accelerated this stuff. I mean, just today, the Department of Education coming out saying they're going to interpret the Bostock decision. That was the uh, the gender issue where they're now going to force schools to open up the bathrooms and all of these other things that uh, locker rooms, sports. I mean, they are radicalizing public education in this country. And it is of such concern to parents. You look at the Equality Act where young women would actually lose opportunity under the Equality Act because they would be competing against biological males in sports. And when it comes to college scholarships, if someone deems themselves female, but they're male, then those girls would be competing against those biological males for college scholarships. You're going to see this in area after area when someone says, I self-identify. And then they will choose. We're even seeing it in our shelters, our uh, domestic abuse shelters. Right. We are seeing this in prisons. This is creating quite a problem for many of our local governments and our charities. Now, we, we have the states taking, uh, Republican states, I should say, that are taking strong stands, pushing back against the federal government. But the, the threat is so great on the educational front. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, as we're just talking about what's happening in women's sports, what's happening in, in bathrooms and locker rooms, what's happening in the classroom. I mean, they're coming at education at every angle. What do Americans that care about this country and more importantly about their children need to be doing? One of the things that they need to be doing is contacting all of their local elected representatives. These school boards are vitally important. And when you look at the control that your local school board, your state school board has, it means all of your local and state elected officials be in close contact with them. When it comes to the federal government and the, the basically the mandate that the Biden administration is seeking to place. Uh, you need to be calling the White House. You need to be contacting your members of the House and the Senate to make certain that we stop this because 2022 is coming quickly. And the Democrats know they're going to run out of runway before they get to that election date. So it means that we have to be diligent and fight back on this every single day bottom line is we cannot be silent we cannot disengage we, we may not have the levers of power in washington dc as the democrats control 
uh, literally both chambers and the White House, but we still have to fight with everything that we have. And you're doing that. And I want to thank you. You're leading out on so many fronts and we just got about a minute left. But yesterday, Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on legislation to provide a citizenship path for millions of undocumented immigrants. Uh, Tell us how that hearing went. Well, that hearing was really interesting because what you've got is the left that is trying to make it easy for illegal entrants to become citizens. And what that would do is put those illegal entrants in front of people that have been working to earn their citizenship. So all of the churches that have been sponsoring families, working with families, helping them go through that citizenship process, the Democrats would like to provide amnesty to three and a half million individuals. So think about that. Here's some other things. And Tony, I actually want to run through these really very quickly. These are some things that their bill would do. It would allow illegal immigrants with criminal records to be eligible for legal permanent resident status here in this country because it would give a blanket waiver authority to cover them. It would allow these illegal immigrants with final removal orders. In other words, they've committed a crime, they're awaiting removal. It would allow them a pathway to legality. It would include an exception that allows some illegal immigrants to obtain permanent legal status and uh, citizenship, even if they don't meet the requirements of the bill. They're saying, well, if you contact us and you apply, We'll find a way to make it happen for you. The dream. Senator, we got, we're we're going to have to. We're, we're out of time. We got to leave it there. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org slash explainer. That's frc.org slash explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. 
That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to be back in the chair. Appreciate Joseph filling in for me uh, yesterday and Monday while I was in a uh, commission, U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Lots to talk about there, but not time. Don't have time today to talk about it. As you can see, we've got a lot to talk about. And also, I want to remind you, we've got team members standing by to take your phone call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. If you'd like to stand with us financially to make sure that Washington Watch continues on the airwaves across America, your gift will be doubled um, between now and June 30th. So give us a call, 800-225-4008. Earlier today, President Biden met with Russian President Vladimir Putin for a highly anticipated summit that lasted about three hours, a, a separate At separate press conferences afterwards, both Biden and Putin described the shorter-than-expected meeting as generally positive, but without any major breakthroughs. Biden said, quote, he did what he came to do, and that we'll have to wait and see if Russia got that message that he went to deliver. And now as Biden wraps up his first foreign trip as president, the question is what image did the new administration project to the rest of the world? Here to answer that question is Montana Senator Steve Daines. Senator Daines, welcome back to the program. Glad to join you, Tony. So uh, what image is being projected to the world by this new administration? Well, I think President Biden was very weak going into this meeting, and he's weak coming out of it. Uh, Biden has been very soft on Russia, and he's been pretty tough on America. You look at what he's done, certainly with the pipelines, killing the Keystone Pipeline on one hand, killing American jobs, and then he greenlights the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, a natural gas pipeline that will run from Russia to Germany. Uh, And then look what's going on with cyber attacks. These are Russian cyber attacks that took down a colonial pipeline that was a major pipeline along the East Coast supplying gasoline. It took down a meat packer. And then just look at yesterday. It's no coincidence, Tony, that the Russians had their largest military exercise in the Pacific since the Cold War. About 300 miles west of Hawaii, we had to scramble three F-22s. So that's not a coincidence. Putin's flexing his muscle. He's coming out at a strong. Biden, I thought, went into the meeting as weak and came out of it looking weaker. 
You know, Senator, I think you're right. I mean, there's no question when you look at what is happening. I I think even what happened in in Israel uh, just a couple of weeks ago was also testing the new administration. And I think what has been projected over and over is weakness. I mean, you think about it. We have an administration that is more interested in transgender policy in our military than equipping our men and women to fight. They're having them stand down uh, so that they can look at extremists. They're more concerned about pushing radical uh, ideology like critical race theory throughout our nation's military than they are equipping them to fight and win America's wars. The tyrants abroad get that. They understand that. They're not playing games like we are. No, they're not. And it's just two different views of the world, Tony. We understand. We understand there's good and there's evil in this world. There's good guys and there's bad guys. As you mentioned Israel, I mean, the reason that Hamas and Hezbollah were emboldened to start launching rockets into Israel is because President Biden said it's time to cozy up to the Iranians and restart these discussions and start sending a massive amount of cash again, like we saw from President Obama. Uh, but But another part that was very telling, I think, was Biden just released his budget, his federal budget. It was a 16% increase, so more massive federal spending on a lot of the social programs. There was only one area that was cut. If you take, if you factor in inflation, one area, and that was defense spending. So massive increases everywhere. One place he cut was defense spending. Now think about what message that sends to Putin and our adversaries, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Russians when Biden is going on offense with that kind of budget, with actually reductions in defense spending. Yeah, no, no question. And I, I want to get to, in just a moment, I want to get to a, a bill you've introduced to protect uh, babies who are uh, born with Down syndrome, uh, those that are conceived in, in, uh, in the womb and diagnosed with Down syndrome. But first, before I get to that, back to this defense issue, back to our energy issue, uh, you talk about, you know, cutting the Keystone Pipeline, um, he goes to the G7 meeting talking about climate change and renewable energy. I mean, I would have to think the, you know, China, Russia, they're laughing at this because they know the only way to sustain power right now is the use of energy, uh, oil. And we're cutting it off here in our own country, making us energy dependent again. Tony, I think they're more than laughing. I think they're cheering what's going on. Uh, If you think about what competitive advantage we have in America to to win the race against China, which will be the great challenge we face for our kids and our grandkids, we're free. They're not. We have the rule of law. They don't. And we have an abundant supply of energy. We are energy independent. Thank God for that in America. And the Chinese are the number one importers of oil. So on one hand, the president now is threatening our freedom, threatening the rule of law, unilaterally disarming us as it relates to energy production, and putting dependencies now on places like the Middle East, on the Russians. I'll tell you what, it's Putin and Xi Jinping who are cheering what's going on with Biden, then adding more insult to injury. They talk about significantly raising taxes. That's how you slow down innovation, economic growth, and job creation. Senator, unfortunately, we're out of time, and I want to I want to get you back on to talk about protecting individuals with Down syndrome act that you have uh, been working to get bipartisan support for this measure uh, on the Senate. Quickly, where can folks find out more about this bill? 
Well, it's just protecting babies with Down syndrome. If you do a Google search on it, every life, no matter how many chromosomes you have, Tony, they are God-given. They have a God-given right to life. And 67% of Down's babies are aborted in the womb. It's chilling. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of that insurance companies denying coverage for those mothers once they identify those babies with Downs. And um, thank you as well for leading the pro-life caucus uh, in the Senate. Senator, great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Always good to be with you. All right. And folks, you can find out more about that legislation. Go to TonyPerkins.com. We'll have links up there uh, to that. All right, coming up next, the uh, Justice Department wanting to threaten states that are working to correct election irregularities that surfaced in the fall's election. But here's the good news. State leaders are telling the federal government, don't cross that line, buddy. We're going to talk about it next, right after this. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, we've got folks standing by to take your phone call if you'd like to join with thousands of folks across the country that are standing with Family Research Council to make sure Washington Watch continues and our activities on Capitol Hill continue. Give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Because of generous donors that have put forward a million-dollar match, everything you give between now and June 30th will be doubled. 
right, last week, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced that the Department of Justice would be redirecting resources in order to, quote, meet the challenges of the current moment, end quote. That is, the election reform efforts that states have been working on since the November election. The Attorney General pledged to double in the next 30 days the size of the enforcement staff at the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, alleging that the right to vote needs to be protected and reiterating the left's talking points that the new voting laws passed in more than a dozen states so far, quote, make it harder to vote. Well, thankfully, there are state leaders that aren't buying this stuff. In fact, they're calling it out for what it is. Joining me now to talk more about this is one of the attorney generals uh, from the states that uh, is representing a state that has actually passed reform efforts. And he's not he's not playing games. Uh, joining me now, uh, Attorney General Mark Bernovich from Arizona. Attorney General, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, now, I, uh, I read your letter. You sent a letter last week to the Attorney General Merrick Garland, and I like what you had to say. You said this letter appeared, uh, well, let me just go to the second paragraph. You talked about, my office is not amused. The DOJ is posturing and will not tolerate any effort to undermine or interfere with our state Senate audit to reassure Arizonans of the accuracy of our elections. We stand ready to defend federalism and state sovereignty against any partisan attacks or federal overreach. What is the U.S. Department of Justice trying to do, and what are you prepared to do? First and foremost, Tony, one of the things that all people of faith have to realize is that the Biden administration is is radically changing the government by trying to concentrate powers in Washington, D.C., because they want to control our livelihoods, our lives, and that ultimately will undermine all of our religious liberties. So what the Department of Justice is claiming to do is they're claiming that they're going to use the Civil Rights Division and they're going to start looking at states like Arizona or other states that are passing these common-sense election integrity measures and scrutinize them uh, under the guise of trying to protect uh, you know, civil rights. But the reality is, is that it's clearly a, an overreach on the part of the federal government. And we all need to be cognizant and recognize that whether it's dealing with tax and spend policies, whether it's trying to dictate to us in our personal lives, or whether now it's trying to control state elections, you have an attempt by the radical left to change this country. And it's changing it through this concentration of power and creating a dependence on Washington, D.C. So I've already been involved, Tony, in numerous cases. In fact, you know there's a case right now pending at the U.S. Supreme Court called Brnovich v. DNC, B-R-N-O-V-I-C-H, the DNC. It's named after me. I personally argued at the U.S. Supreme Court because left-wing groups came in and tried to undermine our election integrity measures, our restrictions on you know, political parties and candidates engaging in mass ballot harvesting, restrictions on out-of-state precinct voting, things that are common-sense measures that a majority of states have. And yet now the left is trying to portray those as somehow racist or disenfranchising people. And the reality is it's just the opposite, Tony. What these common sense measures do, not only here in Arizona, but other places, they're consistent with the Constitution on town, place, and manner restrictions on elections. But more importantly, they allow people to have confidence that when they go into the ballot box, when they go to send their ballot in, when they vote, that every vote will be counted and no votes that are fraudulent or phony will be counted. So we want to make sure that everyone has confidence in the election process, and that means having common sense election integrity measures. And I've literally fought all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court on this issue. It is so critical 
And it's so critical that people know that you're doing it because they are discouraged by what the reports that came out of the November election. They know something was not right. It was widespread across the country and states. In fact, 47 states, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 48 have election reform measures in some form or fashion in their state legislatures. And that is to reassure people, just as you said, that your vote counts, that it's not going to be corrupted or it's not going to you're not going to be disenfranchised. And the left doesn't want people to be hopeful and encouraged that their state election elected officials are fighting this. Now, you also took, I think, the attorney general to school here in your letter. You said it's important to remember that states created the federal government, not the other way around. That's a good history lesson. It's a good civics lesson for all Americans to remember. We especially need to remember that, Tony, because now there's this attempt through, you know, critical race theory and the 1619 Project to fundamentally alter or undermine people's understanding, especially young people, you know, my daughters and, you know, these younger generations' understanding of our history. I'm fortunate because our kids went to a charter school and they, they read the Federalist Papers. They understand that this was a nation conceived in liberty. It was conceived in this idea about the separation of powers and the Constitution being the supreme law of the land. So it is important for people to remember that and especially important for people like me to push back against the federal government when they try to nationalize every single issue. It is absolutely important. And we are so grateful, uh, Attorney General uh, Bernovich, that you are doing that. And we uh, we applaud you, and uh, we are grateful that there are others joining with you to do just that because it is the uh, final line of defense against an overreaching federal government. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. All right. That was uh, the state attorney general for the state of Arizona, Mark Bernovich. And this is what we need more of. We need more state officials pushing back against the federal government. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk China with uh, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. That's next. Don't go away. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history, and it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. 
Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood facts. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, lots of things going on, and uh, I want to make sure I get through, uh, get to get to as much as I can. First off, uh, folks from our team are standing by because we're coming up to the end of our fiscal year, and uh, this program only comes to you because of folks like you that partner with us. And right now, we've got a million-dollar match that's out there, so... The bottom line to this is if you give $10, it'll be made 20. If you give 20, it'll be 40. If you give 50, it'll be 100. You get the picture. So we have folks taking, standing by to take your phone call if you want to call and, uh, and join with us. Partner with the Family Research Council in Washington. Watch 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can visit TonyPerkins.com. Now, also coming up this weekend, if you're in the Colorado area, Colorado Springs, uh, in that vicinity, we will be at Kara's Bible College. This is Saturday, June the 19th. This is this coming Saturday, our Stand Courageous Men's Conference. It's a full day men's conference. We'll unpack a man's role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence uh, inside and out of our homes. And I'll be speaking on the role of a chaplain, the father to be the chaplain of his family. It's for men of all ages, all seasons of life. Fathers, bring your sons. Granddads, bring your sons and grandsons. Uh, if you're in the Colorado Springs area, we've still got room for you. Join us. You can register. StandCourageous.com. That's StandCourageous.com. So make sure, and uh, if you're there, if you can drive, get there, be a part of it. It'll be great. General Boy can be there with me along with several others. Again, that's this Saturday, Karis Bible College right outside of Colorado Springs, StandCourageous.com. All right, yesterday, the Chinese Foreign Ministry hit back at the G7 after the group released a communique in which they called on China to respect human rights and fundamental freedoms, especially in the as it relates to Xinjiang and Hong Kong. Now, there is no longer denying. In fact, I was in, as I mentioned earlier, I was out yesterday and Monday in a U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, and, and China factored in very heavily as we talked about the abuse. In fact, as you know, or you may know, 
I've been sanctioned by the Chinese government for advocating for religious freedom in China, advocating for the Uyghurs, advocating against their horrific uh, policies forcing uh, abortions. Now they're backing off because of their demographic problems they have of their one child, two child policy. Now they're generously allowing families to have three. But the G7 leaders also underscored the importance of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait, uh, also called for a new investigation into China, into the origins of uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. China, not surprisingly, is not pleased. Here's what they had to say. We have noticed that the joint communique of the G7 summit mentioned issues involving China, which deliberately smeared China on issues related to Hong Kong, Xinjiang, and Taiwan, and China's marine territory and interfered in China's internal affairs. The act has seriously violated the purposes and principles of the UN Charter, which runs contrary to the trend of the times for peace, development, cooperation, mutual benefits, exposing the evil intentions of the U.S. and a few other countries to artificially create antagonisms and instruments and widen differences and contradictions. Now, if you're watching, not just listening, but if you're watching online, you saw the video. I don't know how he, that guy did that with a straight face. I really don't know how he said all that. Well, with me now to talk about China and the very things that the Chinese Communist Party doesn't want us to talk about is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. She serves on the Congressional Executive Commission on China and is a senior member of the House Armed Services Committee. She is also uh, working very hard to defend the values that you and I care about on Capitol Hill as the chair, co-chair of the Values Action Team. Vicki, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be here. All right. Let me just jump right into this. How would you respond to the Chinese foreign minister's, uh, the spokesman's comments about the G7 and uh, earlier making the comment that we are America is very sick as it uh, talks about the connection with COVID-19? Well, they are just totally uh, covering up the activities that they are uh, waging against their own people and against the world. I mean, the fact is that they have over uh, a million, almost two million Uyghur Muslims in internment camps in the Xinjiang province. And we have know that. We've seen that from satellite photos. We have seen that from individuals who have escaped. Uh, they are conducting genocide in that region. And our own government, under Secretary Pompeo's leadership, we designated the Chinese government, the Communist Party, of committing genocide in that area, I introduced legislation called the SOS Act to um, stop oppressive sterilizations act, because even though, to your point, that they are encouraging more children to be born in other parts of their country because of their demographics and their failed one-child policy, which is coming back to haunt them, but in the Xinjiang province, we have seen a decrease in population because of the forced abortions and the sterilizations that they're inflicting on the women there. And so they have a very much an evil intent. And to call us evil is just uh, unbelievable. And certainly with what they did with the uh, uh, coronavirus, when they inflicted that on the world, now whether it was done purposely or by accident, we don't know. But we do know that it originated from China. And certainly now there's growing evidence that it came from their own uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology, their own research lab, which was conducting research 
on how to make this virus more, uh, more deadly. Um, and then we had three researchers now that we know that a month before China even acknowledged this was a disease that were in, went to the hospital uh, with symptoms of uh, COVID-19. And then they covered up anybody, whistleblowers and researchers and reporters and doctors, anybody who spoke out and tried to get the truth out about this. And as a result, we've had over 600,000 Americans who have died from this virus, and we've had millions worldwide. And so for them to say they did nothing wrong and that we're evil, I think it's totally opposite of reality. You, you mentioned former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. I really think the Trump administration set the stage that I, I don't think the Biden administration wants to be in this position because uh, they, they really can't back away from holding China accountable. Although I would, it looks like to me they're trying their best to try to do that. But you, you recently produced a, a four-part series that out, outlines the, the multitude of threats that China presents to us, the, the military threats, the economic threats, uh, the malign influence, and the human rights abuses that we were just talking about. And, you know, I think about this uh, as President Biden was beginning the G7 meeting. He goes and he speaks to some of our members of the Air Force, and he says, you know, the greatest threat facing America is global warming. Um, I mean, what parallel universe is he living in? It is just mind boggling. And it is it is scary that here our leader of our country is supposed to be the leader of our world is just acquiescing to this, either ignoring it or just uh, just totally out of, uh, clueless on, on this. And I do encourage people to go to my website at hartzler.house.gov and watch these videos because there is so much information here. I want individuals to know. I'm, as you say, a senior member of the Armed Services Committee. Um, I have been in classified briefings for years now, and this is open source information, but it's put together, for instance, it, put together in a way that I think would be very eye-opening to individuals in our country. For instance, on the military threat, uh, how many Americans know that China has the world's largest Navy and the world's largest Army? How, how many people know that they have more ships than we do? They have more people in the Army, that they have uh, more ground-based missiles, uh, that they have, over the last 10 years, increased their defense budget by 75 percent. At the same time, now we have President Biden cutting in real dollars uh, our defense budget. Um, this is very, very concerning. On our videos, you'll see where we were at in comparison to China and capabilities and the number of planes and, and the number of assets in space and satellites and other things we had a, a few years ago, where we are now and where we're projected to be in 10 years. It is very, very scary and concerning. And that's why I've been fighting so hard to increase our defense dollars to make sure we have the capabilities we need to be able to meet their threat. Um, then we have, as you talked about, the economic security. They have before we... Yeah. Before we go to that, I just want to underscore that it, not only do they have the material and the personnel, but they're active acting in a very aggressive manner. Absolutely. I have a friend who's going to be a, a missionary to Taiwan, and she is very concerned, as am I. That's one reason I reintroduced the uh, Taiwan Defense Act with Representative Gallagher and others here recently, because since Biden has been uh, in office, China has increased their aggression against Taiwan, and they are flying airplanes over Taiwan's airspace. They're threatening them. 
And this is a very real concern that they're going to try to invade or take over Taiwan, and we have to stand strong for them. We saw what they've done in the South China Seas, where they converted sandbars into military outposts all over the South China Sea in order to try to stop the freedom of navigation in that area, control that area. Um, and they, they're just not they're ignoring world order and, and opinion, and they're just going forward. And whether it be militarily or, like I said, with their Belt and Road Initiative, uh, they're performing debt trap diplomacy all over the country, uh, excuse me, all over the world, as far as with our third world countries, gaining access to ports, uh, to, to rare earth minerals, to other natural resources, trying to increase their influence worldwide. Because make no mistake, their goal is world dominance. And I think we need to take them seriously and not just say this is just some crazy idea. They have a plan and they're implementing the plan. Yeah. They, they certainly are. And a part of that plan is their economic strategy as well. Yes. I mean, they have all this money that they loan to these third world countries with a very high interest rate. I've been to Sri Lanka. I have seen the port there that they were able to recapture because, of course, Sri Lanka could make those payments. And they said, OK, well, we'll run it if you just give us a 99 year lease. And so they've taken over that very key strategic place where their Navy could come if there's a conflict or they can just control the commerce in the area. And they're doing this all over the world. But at the same time that they're loaning out money, they're getting money from the World Bank uh, at these low interest loans, which is being funded by the United States. This is what I've never really figured out. They get they get treated in many ways like a, an emerging, developing country, and they get these uh, low interest free loans but then at the same time, they're acting like a world power. So which are they? No, oh, exactly. They don't deserve any category uh, of funding because they're a developing country. I mean, they are fully developed, and they're not just a near-peer competitor. They are a competitor, in fact, have surpassed us in some of our military capabilities. They're economically very strong. They hold a tremendous amount of U.S. debt. And that's why in America, we need to, certainly in Washington, balance our budget and pay off our debt. And, and so we're not so uh, dependent on China. And we need to bring back our manufacturing from China here. I introduced legislation before the pandemic in a bipartisan fashion with John Garamendi to bring back our pharmaceutical production from China here to the United States because we found out that most of the medicines and the antibiotics that our soldiers are getting either comes from China or comes from a country that uses the active pharma pharmaceutical ingredients originating from China. And so theoretically, if we were to get into a conflict with China, they could win a right. war without firing a shot just by sending tainted medicines our way or inert ingredients. So we had already identified that threat. And I'm thankful that uh, President Trump listened to our plea and stood up the Defense Production Act to start bringing back some of that medicine production here, not just for our soldiers, but for all of us. Uh, but we need to do that on other things like rare earth minerals. And now we've got these um, uh, electronics and our the chips that are made in those countries. And we're having a supply chain issue here uh, because of our dependence on those issues as well. There's We're running out of cars ready to sell and other right. uh, products here. So there's many reasons to bring back that production here. Reduce our dependence on China. 
we should learn from what we experienced in the last year and not consider it to be a one-off, something that won't happen again. We need to be following through with what we learned. We're almost out of time, Vicki, but one other thing I just wanted to mention. China gets a pass on this uh, big global warming climate change agenda that uh, Biden is pursuing with the other countries. China gets a pass on that. They got to continue to do what they're doing. I mean, this does not make sense on any front. It's a foolish policy. It's a foolish policy to cut our energy production here, increase our cost here, and make us more dependent on other countries for our energy source, and at the same time, give China a pass. And they are the world's number one producer of pollution, of carbon dioxide. They're building uh, coal-fired plants on a regular basis there, as well as India. And so why would we get back in the Paris Climate Accords, which ties our hands, and then freeze them up to continue to pollute the world without these uh, economic restraints. It is foolish. right, and they've shown that they don't want to be good neighbors. Uh, they have malintent on many many fronts. Uh, Congresswoman Vicky Hartzer, great to talk with you. Thanks for all the leadership you're providing on Capitol Hill. Absolutely, thank you, Tony. All right. And folks, you hear that music. That means we're out of time, but still have folks standing by to take your call. 800-225-4008. And tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time for Pray Vote Stand. Got some great guests, former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant and uh, Lauren Boebert, congresswoman from Colorado and much more. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 